0: the black scholars podcast blackscholarspublishing.com that uh we should get our own once we have our own uh we're respected for the fact that we can create our own and uh, that's equality right there Like a level miss, it's just kidding. It. Nylon cover five minutes. Oh, mm. we're we too hot in the builder. Mm. But to make a movie independent. Woo! Welcome, welcome back to the Black Scholars Podcast. I am your host, Leonard Andre Wilson Jr. Please follow me on Instagram at Black Scholars Podcast. Again, at Black Scholars Podcast. Also, follow the podcast on Twitter, which is BLK Scholars Pod. BLK Scholars Pod. And also follow the Facebook page and your search engine on Facebook. Simply type in the Black Scholars Podcast. Also, be sure to shop Black Scholars Clothing, that is, blackscholarsclothing.com please use promo code scholars for a nice discount created by an educator for my fellow educators and scholars can't forget the scholars welcome back guys how's virtual teaching going how's remote teaching going how is hybrid teaching going Uh, Over the beginning of this school year, I have been a part of all of the above. Now I am 100% virtual. And I'm going to be candid with you guys. My OCD is flaring. I like things to be organized. I like things to be well structured. So I do feel if you are like me, which many of you the conversations we have off air shows that you are we're more alike than we are different as black educators and scholars and we like things a certain way it's how we've become effective in what we do it's how we've become successful in everything we pursue and just like anything before that we've accomplished any of our accolades all started with a lot of grunt work I know it sucks. No one wants to reinvent the wheel, especially in education, but we have to because it's broken. The K through 12 system is broken um, thanks to the pandemic with this virtual learning, this hybrid learning. It's not the same. It's disorganized. Districts, governments have proven they not only were not prepared for this thing, But this is something we've been dealing with since march and it's something that's not going to go away anytime soon so my advice my recommendation is do what you do best so and i'm speaking to myself as well it's going to take a lot of hours a lot of time a lot of mental grunt work hopefully within your pocs within your departments within your peer group you do have like-minded individuals who you can lean on and get some some help get some assistance so you don't have to do this work by yourself i am literally being pulled in two different directions one by my i guess current or former school i guess still current not really sure um and, and what I should be doing, and within the PLCs, what I should be doing. And then also being pulled in another direction by actual district leaders who are like, just follow the, the sequence, the scope. Just follow the curriculum we have on the district's website. And following the curriculum on the district's website is just a bunch of text, standards that should be taught according to those texts, uh, a few writing prompts, But that's it. That's it. And we have a text. We have an online text. But it's not the best text in the world. I promise you it's not. I've been doing this for 10 years. I've seen better ELA books. I've seen better English literature books for teaching and learning. I really have. So uh, if you're in the same boat that I am in, again, I recommend you to seek like-minded individuals and plan But be prepared to pour in a lot of hours up front. So then we can be well organized and be able to deliver highly effective instruction. My rule of thumb is always stay two weeks ahead of the kids. So you should have two weeks worth of lessons, activities and assessments planned out, um, actually ready to go. If you can increase that two weeks, that's even better. Um, But I definitely am in a situation where it's very disorganized. And um, it's disheartening because I feel like if I knew exactly what I would have been doing since March or at least during the summer, um, then I would have been able to be more prepared. But at the same time, that's still not fair because your summertime is your summertime and you deserve to have it off and you deserve to relax and not have to work through the summer, um, which is a reason why a lot of us became educators, specifically teachers, because typically administrators work 12 months. Um, And most educators work 10 months. So anyways, I digress on to the actual show, episode 43. Thank you again for joining me. Um, This is almost coming to an end. So on this particular episode. There's really one thing i want to focus on so there's a lot of stuff i'm going to discuss and then i'm going to get to the core of the entree of this episode so episode nine of the america to me series is called the invisible t-shirt and it starts off with kendall uh, going on a college visit he goes um he's he's looking at different schools online he decides that he wants to um, continue his wrestling career. And so he visits Cornell College in Iowa. And as Dr. Foster has mentioned, because she actually did the research, he did actually decide to go to Cornell College. And some of the things mentioned uh, from his, his mom, his aunt, is that she's worried about microaggressions. Microaggressions are have been around for forever, right? Right. Um, And I'm from up north. I'm from the Midwest. I'm from Wisconsin. Uh, I know you guys get tired of hearing that. Like, man, we know where you're from. But I have to always, I'm a black guy. I'm a black scholar. I'm very, very, very Afrocentric. And I come from a place that has been documented and noted for the institutional racism it is very rarely overt if anything it's more overt now that i haven't been in wisconsin and i'm not frequently in wisconsin um i've got real bills i've got real financial goals i'm divorced i've got two kids so my priorities don't always allow me to go back to Wisconsin even though I love my family and I speak with my family and communicate with my family and stay in touch with my family on a very consistent basis but I don't have in my head I need to get to Milwaukee today or I need to get to Milwaukee next week. All I'm going to do is hang out with my family, eat and laugh and that's a part of self-care and that's great but I got real life goals that I am working on. I got lofty goals. I got ambitious goals. I have goals that I haven't discussed with you guys yet that when I'm make things happen and you're like whoa I didn't know that he had that plan that's the type of focus that I have going on right now and I have multiple responsibilities I don't just work one job I got a whole business I got a part-time job I got my career going I got I got a lot of stuff going I got grad school I got I got stuff going on I got books I'm working on I don't have the time to always go back home. So anyways, I say all of that to say microaggressions is a very real thing. Um, it's, a, it's, it's even more um, realistic up north in the Midwest. Um, he is in Iowa. It's very white. It's very, very white. The school is white. The town he's in is white. It's a small town. I've always had an issue, just being candid, I've always had an issue with small college towns and i've lived in a small college town very, very first college i attended university st cloud state university an hour and a half away from the twin cities that's a college town it is built around that university also for grad school my first grad school I ever attended middle tennessee state university mtsu outside of nashville and murfreesboro about 45 minutes away murfreesboro has made a lot of advancements and changes over the years and i'm saying over 10 11 years since i was there but it's still based around mtsu that is the university there is no other university or college there i believe there might be a tech school there if i'm not mistaken but only but so many people attend that school or have connections to that school mtsu literally is the economy of that town now in in murfreesboro tennessee which is you know again 45 30 45 minutes outside of nashville um maybe it's not 45 minutes that's too far maybe 30 minutes um is is not predominantly white murfreesboro is not predominantly white but there are a lot of white people there and the city is kind of built around white people because a majority of the student population at mtsu is white so Whatever Kendall has gone through um, over these years at Cornell College, I can relate to. Now, because I am who I am, and I'm extremely Afrocentric, and I'm also extremely blunt and upfront about who I am, I don't really deal with microaggressions, because I'm just naturally aggressive. I've said that before, and people are shocked, because, oh, he's such a sweetheart, and I am all of those things. I've got a really big heart, very generous, I'm very humble. But at the same time, I'm just telling you guys, I'm very assertive, I'm very aggressive. I spent a lot of time building my foundation. I spent a lot of time learning who exactly I am and what my lineage goes back to. So in the year of 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023, whatever the year is, I am always going to be who I am, and I'm constantly evolving and improving, and I hope you guys can relate, because I hope you guys are the same way too. That's the other part of why education was such a great fit for me personally. It was always about evolving. It was always about learning. It was always about becoming better, because your personnel changes every year, whether that's administrators, your coworkers, the parents you have to deal with, of course, your students. It's constantly changing. Different school board members get elected, some resign. It's, everything is always changing in education. And I'm always against the status quo, always against the status quo. Until we have full equity, full equality, socioeconomically until everyone's at their apex in every aspect of their life, I will never rest. I will die on this hill of of wanting to be better and wanting more from my people and expecting more from this world and this society. I will die on this hill. This is my legacy. So for Kendall to be at Cornell College in a white town on a white campus. And Kendall Kendall excuse me is dark skinned that makes a difference colorism makes a difference we got colorism within the African American community do you think we don't have to experience colorism within society. How people relate to a dark skinned male versus a brown skinned male which I am versus a light skinned male which my son is totally different it shouldn't be that way but it is that way so it'd be interesting to actually hear from Kendall about his experience at such a small liberal university excuse me college it's not a university then the other issue tiara and I said this very early on with Dr. Foster, I believe that was uh, the second episode of the America to Me series I broke down and analyzed. Tara is a hot mess. I know she's just a sophomore in high school, but she's a hot mess. So what we discover in episode nine, she's missing a lot of days of school due to headaches. Now. For someone who has personally dealt with headaches and migraines before, at one point I was diagnosed with chronic headache disorder. Uh, I had to see a neurologist on a consistent basis. I was uh, subscribed antidepressants, not for depression, but they were used to actually treat my headaches. But then I got so dependent on them that if I didn't have a refill in time and I went not even 24 hours without taking that pill. I was physically fatigued and weak and could barely walk. Let me know in my spirit I shouldn't be dependent on that simply to treat my headaches. So me being very assertive and aggressive, I took my life into my own hands, I took my health into my own hands, started working out a lot more, changed my diet up, got healthier quickly and started to actually cut those pills literally in half and only take a half a pill. And then it got to the point I didn't need them anymore. And my headaches went away. That's also part of the first reason why I walked away from education very early on. My first teaching location, the beginning of my teaching career was very, very stressful unnecessarily. And I'm glad I went through what I went through. Even though it was, it came with a lot of difficulties. It came with some with some setbacks. But like anyone, anyone that believes, a setback is nothing but a set up for a better blessing. And I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't be where I will be tomorrow if it wasn't for that experience. So Tiara, she's missing school due to headaches, allegedly. What, what's really going on is she's been lying to her older sister she's been lying to her mom she is able to contact her friends go over a friend's house and they're skipping school together which brings a whole nother issue of where are the parents for this particular friend how is it that several girls are able to skip school whenever they want to and they're watching music videos and they're dancing and you know they're being girls they're being teenagers and i'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you guys and act like you know through high school I was a saint I wasn't. I did a lot of things well um i I was remarkable for my age. I was very smart and disciplined for my age. I was very responsible for my age throughout high school but I did get into i got into some stuff i'm I i will not lie I got into some stuff especially when i got my first i got my license in my first car yeah. I tell, I've said this before, like I was a 3.9 student, should have been a four point, but I was a 3.9 something something student, right? Based on a 4.0 scale. I know nowadays they do the different weights and now you can get up to a 5.0, I think it's even like that at Oak Park River Forest High, but it wasn't like that at my high school. 4.0 and that's it. You can't go higher than 4.0. I had a 3.9 something. Up to my sophomore year. Then I let it drop once I got my driver's license my junior year. Yep, that was me. The black scholar. And that's why I don't judge kids. Especially in high school. Your brain's not fully developed. Doesn't matter how bright you are. Doesn't matter how academically astute you are. Does not matter. High schoolers make mistakes. It's okay. But the other thing that was revealing to me in this episode is Tiara has a YouTube channel with a lot of videos on it and they look well done like with editing and everything and anybody that's ever had a youtube channel by the way follow the black scholars on youtube and i'm definitely looking forward to investing in a better camera because right now i just use my laptop camera pretty much or i might use my phone depending on the video so i need a real one but her youtube videos look great if anybody's ever done that you know how long the editing can take editing can take a very long time to get that right and it takes forever to upload the actual YouTube videos it takes a long time because they download them in standard definition and then high definition takes a long time but she's got headaches and she's missing school and she's lying to her mom about what work she's turned in for chemistry and at the very end of the show the mom is meeting with the counselor which Tiara didn't like and the counselor saying, hey, Tierra's a sweet girl. She's a good girl. You know, she wants to do better, da 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 But she's failing chemistry. And the chemistry teacher's on the phone with the mom and letting her know, like, hey, she's missed school this week and we're on block scheduling. So literally this week, instead of her missing two classes, she's missed four. Because class, each class has been extended. It's doubled in time. So the teacher's technically teaching two classes in one. She missed them both. And in those classes, it was important because it was for test preparation. A lot of students don't do well, one, because they don't turn on the work, two, because they're disinterested, disengaged, and for whatever reason, they can't self-regulate their behavior or their intrinsic motivation and so they can't force themselves to be engaged with it. And she's not a naturally uh, bright student. And I'm not saying that to say Tara's dumb. That's Of course not. That's not what I mean. But I mean, she's not, she doesn't have the inherent uh, characteristics and tendencies of a scholar. Tara doesn't enjoy learning things just to simply learn them. And we have students like that. Some of us were students like that. Me, I enjoy learning to learn, even to this day. But as I said before, I don't read everything anymore. I don't. I read more headlines than I actually do actual articles. But that's intentional. And I'm at a point of my life where I can get away with that and still be successful. Tiara can't get away from that as a sophomore in high school she's got to lock in and focus but she's lying to her mom she's lying to her older sister she's she's got a a troublesome relationship with her older sister because she doesn't want her older sister to pretend to be her mom and so even the mom has said maybe she needs to go stay with her dad in a different city in illinois maybe so sometimes it takes a dad to lock it down to hit the restart button saying nope all that stuff you were doing in uh Oak park you're not gonna be doing here at all shut all that down and that's why it's important as fathers as black men we are in our kids lives no matter what it doesn't matter if you're divorced doesn't matter how much you may like or not like or love or not love or loathe or whatever the situation, your spouse, your previous spouse, your ex wife. If you are a black man, you know how important it is in this country that if you look back 400 years ago, separated the family intentionally. And now we, and let me say this there's nothing wrong as a black man with choosing not to be with the woman that you had kids with. There is nothing wrong with that. But you have to remain in your kid's life. You have to spend time with them. You have to check in on their their studies. You have to see what's going on with them with school. You need to enforce what they're learning at school, at home as often as possible. If it's something with math, it is very easy if you guys go out grocery shopping or to the mall or wherever you're going or even online shopping, right? We're in the middle of a pandemic and have them figure out, okay, what's 20% off of 44.99? Teach your kids mental math. When you're doing your taxes or you're preparing your taxes for your accountant, why can't your kids learn about taxes? I know we're all funny about money right meaning we're very private about it but what's wrong with showing your kid your pay stuff maybe you want to even just you know white some things out and make a copy of it and so they get real life lessons at home everything can't be all fun and games at home like give your kid opportunity to exercise that brain the brain is a muscle Everyone who listens to this podcast who's a part of this community, you are a part of growth mindset. And so if you have kids, even as educators, you've got kids might not be yours, but you've got kids you got nieces and nephews you got little cousins give give them the opportunity to learn real lessons. Don't let them not learn stuff until they're 18, 19, 20 21, 22 years old. When they finally get their bachelor's degree or they're finally in college and they're trying to get their first apartment, but they never learn how to build up credit. That's not right. In the black community, we've got to stop that. So I am actually hoping Tierra's dad steps in. I'm hoping we see that before this is all over. And there's only one episode left in this docuseries. But I'm very disappointed in Tiara. I could see it very early on, which is why I made the comments I made on, you know, breaking down the second episode with Dr. Foster. Something's off. Something's wrong, Tiara. And she has a new boyfriend. Who cares? Who cares? And I could be her future husband one day. Or it could not. To my high school teachers and my life. Who cares? Who cares about her boyfriend? All right, anyways, moving on. Same family. So Terrence goes to court. He's Terrence is a junior in high school. If you don't remember, Terrence has an IEP. He is a student with special needs, but um, it looks like a majority, if not all, of his classes are general education. I don't even see an inclusion model. He's He's there. And so his mother wants guardianship. So I'm assuming for her to go to court for that, that means Terrence, because he did just have a birthday. I believe Terrence is now 18, which legally makes him an adult. But because he has a learning disability, he can't be as independent as most 18-year-olds. And let's be candid. Most 18-year-olds are not very independent. Most 18-year-olds aren't very independent. A few are regardless of if they have a learning disability or not. But that makes it even more difficult for Terrence to be independent. And he wants to be independent. So they go to court. The mother is granted guardianship. Before they went to court, Terrence was fine with the guardianship. But he quoted, he's quoted the saying for a little while, and then he'd be completely independent. He'd be completely free. But then with Terrence on camera, right with her, mom looks into the camera and says, um, you know, the court meeting went great. She was granted guardianship. But she wants him to remain under guardianship until he's 25, maybe 30 years old. This kid is 18 years old. Mom's saying 25, that's seven years, 30. That's 12 years. And so my question for mom, and this is Tierra's older sister, by the way, are you listening to your kid? And I'm not saying that to disrespect her, but that's a conversation that she needs to be well aware of. Terrence is telling the filmmakers that he's fine with guardianship for a little while, but he wants to be independent. They need to be on the same accord. And it's not to say that Terrence can't be independent after a couple of years, but maybe he does have to wait till he's 25, or maybe he does have to wait until he's 30 years old. Regardless of what age it is specifically, he's going to be under guardianship for Terrence and his mother and the family have to be on the same page. They have to do what's best for Terrence. And he needs to understand why his mom wants him under guardianship until he's 25 or 30. And basically, guardianship means he's still legally a kid, even though he's an adult. He'll be 21, able to vote and drink and join the military and all those things and drive a vehicle. But his mom legally controls all of that she has to sign off on everything and i do think it's the right thing to do for terrence based on spending all these hours watching him and observing him he's a bit socially awkward he has a learning disability i also want to give a shout out to terrence's um is it a Spanish teacher, a French teacher? I think he's taking French, if I'm not mistaken. Or is it Italian? No, I'm sorry, guys. He's studying in a foreign language, and his foreign language teacher is awesome. terence isn't failing class at all. When he doesn't get a concept, his teacher's over his shoulder, prompting and cueing him and asking him follow-up questions. If they take a quiz they take an assessment terrence doesn't do so well they go back look over the test this is just one-on-one him and his teacher and he's giving him feedback they review it he's reminding him of certain strategies on how to say this how to say that what's the rule on here what are the grammatical rules in french and then he gives him a second time to take the assessment How many of us are able to do this or are trying to do this or are executing this with our students? Now, I know we're in a pandemic. Some of us might be virtually teaching. I understand. Some of us might be doing hybrid, which means that kids are there for a couple of days a week and then they're gone. But we've got to figure this out, whether this is through technology or it's face-to-face, regardless of what it is. And that's, again, I go back to my very first 10 minutes of this episode that's my ultimate criticism of the school districts of the governments working with these departments of education across each state where was the freaking planning before it hit school shut down march april may june at what, at what point do we think it's safe for us to come back to schools and knowing there's a possibility even if we do come back, we're probably going to end up having to stop and everything's going to be virtual. Why didn't we have this planned and figured out before? We are playing with children's lives. And I don't like it. It's making me upset. educators are already overworked and severely underpaid but it's going to take us to organize this thing in order for it to be effective this k-12 educational paradigm is broken it needs to be thrown in the trash thrown in the trash thrown in the incinerated put in a vase or a vase ashes and thrown in the red sea we must destroy it and rebuild it now is the perfect time we are in the middle of a recession and nobody's talking about it there is nothing stopping us from erasing this entire thing and starting again there should be an effective instructional model virtually in every school and school district should plan to have a virtual aspect to their school forever. This was always a need. Always, and it should be available to every student. Doesn't matter if they have an IEP, a 504, what their socioeconomic situation may be at home. Kids don't pick what parent and family they're born into. What is this, a caste system? Kids don't get the opportunity to pick and choose if they're born rich, middle class, poor working class, working middle class, upper middle class, trust fund babies. They don't get that opportunity. But yet they are left to be punished for it. (sighs) Adding to my frustration, Mrs. Stovall has been pushing this woven program for over a year. The woven program provides observational and coaching tools for administrators and other school leaders to assist and support teachers and helping them be more effective with black and brown and minority students. So and this is Mrs. Stovall's words. Instead of them having conversations focused on misbehavior or behavioral conversations, Johnny, stop doing this. Johnny, stop doing that. Johnny, you know you're not supposed to do that. Johnny, you're being very bad. Am I going to have to call your mom? And I'm not sure what type of teacher preparation program that you guys went through, but because I was a psychology major, a lot of my classes could have been taught in teacher preparation programs. And in fact, some of my classmates were prospective educators. They were in teacher programs. I was not. But in those courses, I learned very early the different educational psychology and philosophies out there, I learned that very early on. And it was always taught to me that there are different schools of thoughts on learning and teaching and improving society. Shout out to my uh, sociology professor at Tennessee State University in Nashville. I was molded very early on to adopt one or two or three and blend them all in and have my one, right? So I believe in observational learning. I believe that words are powerful. I believe that images and and visuals and symbols, symbology is important. Go read the fifth agreement. Go read the four agreements. Yeah, we're getting spiritual on this podcast. Go read. And so if a kid is constantly hearing behavior talk, behavior conversations, and being threatened with negative consequences, what type of kid do you think turns out? What type of self-efficacy and what type of self-perspective and self-confidence? Because if you tell a kid that they're bad, you tell a kid that they're, they're, they're sinful, you tell a kid that they're cursed, that they're ghetto, that they're poor, that they're an underachiever. Listen to those words and imagine a kid and you know how a kid's brain works. It absorbs everything. That's why it's better to teach a foreign language, a second or third language to kids than it is adults. And the kids will learn it much quicker and be more effective with the learning and be more efficient with the new language. Because their brains absorb everything. And if you're constantly having these negative conversations with these negative consequences attached to their misbehavior, You are literally creating a monster. Case in point, Frankenstein. So Mrs. Stovall's program is focused on learning conversations. Let's use accountable talk. Let's use domain-specific vocabulary that helps you be successful in each subject area, in overall school, then life. Let's have conversations about metacognition. Why did you Why did you take eighteen times twenty six? Arrive at that answer and then divide it by why, and make a student explain their thought process. How many of us are doing this in our classrooms on a consistent basis? For some people, for some educators, it's natural. But for many of us, we've got to work at it. Stop having negative conversations with your students about their misbehavior. If there is a misbehavior, let's correct it and let's attach it to a learning conversation. So this program that Ms. Stovall has woven She's been trying to get this as a part of Oak Park River Forest High for over a year. And she kept getting pushback. Matter of fact, at the very end of the show, she was called into the principal's office, had a meeting with the principal, and he's not allowing her to be a part of the racial equity work that she was a part of along with the science teacher and a few other educators. Because they're, they're confusing her words with that of Aaron, which is the science teacher that uh, teaches Charles and we talked about him already. He's the product of an abolitionist. He's a product of a, a liberal family, a liberal white family, which is awesome. But just because of that, that doesn't make him, you know, he's not a savior or anything like that. And so the principal has said her perspectives, her viewpoints are steeped in whiteness. How? She's black and white. How are her viewpoints steeped in whiteness? I've said it many times. I'll say it again. I don't like the superintendent. I also don't like this principal. I'm going to just be honest with you guys don't like them they haven't said one word on the actual film on the documentary and I'm telling you guys right now after watching them for nine episodes I don't like them at all couldn't be my principal and superintendent I would have left Oak Park just being candid just being candid but What Mrs. Stovall has had to do, she's been piloting this program over at the elementary school, over at Hawthorne Scholastic Academy, and has had positive results. Let's listen to that. This program has helped me have that mindset of how am I interacting with these students? How do they respond? You know when I have interactions, what's helpful to them, what's not. When it comes to the type of conversations, you a lot just, of co-construction. A whole lot of Which co-construction. Is, awesome. S- is that 69.4 percent of the time yeah. is co-construction? It's amazing. Teachers engaged in this program, their children of color are getting better classroom grades. Target number three, I've never heard speak yeah. ever, and she utilized him in whole group format, I think more than once. Yeah, more than once. I I took a teaching job for one year at one of the middle schools in Oak Park. What I found was just a lack of collaboration within the school and within the district. Anytime that I was challenging a status quo or would say something that reminded people that we could do better and that our kids deserved better, um, it felt like I was speaking on deaf ears. We've really tried to encourage Jess to hang in there, to have hope, that she can be the catalyst for this change within Oak Park, it's going to be challenging. So we've got Miss Stovall, who is on her spare time, during her spare time, which as a high school English teacher, I'm sure she doesn't have much of, driving all the way to Chicago. And I have no idea the distance and physical proximity between the two schools. she's driving all the way to this elementary school working with the administration of another school i'm not even sure if it's in the same district i doubt it i'm pretty sure she's driving to a school that's a part of chicago public schools pretty sure and her woven program has had positive results accepted by administration there and even the teachers And they're excited about it. And the students are growing. What's also important is the principal of this elementary school used to teach at Oak Park River Forest High. And one of the reasons why he's not there anymore, one of the things that was disheartening to him was the fact that if he brought up anything that went against the status quo, he felt like it was on deaf ears like he was talking to a brick wall I don't understand how you are a quote-unquote school leader or you're a entrepreneur or excuse me an entrepreneur an educator well even entrepreneur and you're not there to change the status quo you're seeing black and brown kids and again I have to remind us of the statistics, according to the ACT composite, there is a 75-year gap. 75, 75, the number 75, 75. The year after 74, 75-year gap between African American students at Oak Park and white students. And I'm sure it's an even larger gap for Asian, Asian American students versus African-American students. So educationally as far as academic achievement and progress grows we're talking almost eight decades that they are behind and we don't and of course the superintendent and the principal didn't want to be interviewed but we don't see anything that they are actively doing to address this. We don't see any sense of urgency to address this from them from the quote-unquote leaders but you've got a teacher with enough on her plate she's dealing with Keyshawn's. she's teaching several courses she did the full bright scholarship thing and developed this woven program and she's trying to implement it she's at school board meetings She's driving across town to, to, to go through a trial and make sure that this thing actually works and it actually does. And yet she's met with rejection. She's met with blank stares. She's met with confusion where she couldn't be more concise in her communication on the pros of this program. And I'm pretty sure, because of the actual program, it's an observational and coaching tool, there is $0 attached as overhead to it. This isn't some fancy software program. This isn't some... third-party vendor that's offering intervention or enrichment that you have to pay a large subscription fee to to provide the software for all of your students. There is no dollar amount attached to this. She's not asking for a raise. She's not asking for a bonus. She's trying to do the work that needs to be done with the sense of urgency to directly address the achievement gap, and she's not being allowed to it. Miss Stovall, leave Oak Park. If they have the same administration, right now on this date in 2020 leave I don't know if she's left I'm assuming she's still there I don't know I haven't done that research I haven't done that research let's get to my final point yeah but I don't want to relate to that when I walk in the door in the morning to teach here at school I don't think to myself here's Janet Wells the black teacher I just here, Janet Wells, the teacher. And I think that if I did not have that feeling and that belief and conviction, I couldn't function. Why are there so few black teachers at the school? The issue with uh, attracting teachers of color, black teachers, Hispanic teachers in particular, uh, is a national issue. Um, if you can uh, access a higher-paying job uh, and provide you know a, a better or, or you know um, more affluent living situation for your family, you may or may not want to go into teaching. And I say that in a sense that um, there are f- some. Actually, I don't. I don't want to go into that right now. Even I talk could? about. Yeah. No, uh, I need to think more about that. Okay. Yeah. I was on one of the first committees to hire black teachers. I mean, Division heads talked about this issue, you know, going back 20 years, 15 years. We had brochures, we had teams. You know, we went to job fairs. I think what people don't realize how hard it is to hire a minority. Teach, and, and that's not to say I'm not letting anybody off the hook. There are no black teachers in the science department. You telling me you couldn't find one black teacher? That's not unique to Oak Park. You know, usually African-Americans can teach him. Yeah, in special ed. We've painted African-Americans as one dimensional. That inability to get past the superficial has impacted the opportunities for many. Um, today is a review day for us. So the title of this packet is A Gift to Help You Ace the AP Test. I asked the ladies down in printing to put a picture on this thing. And the picture was supposed to be me in a cape. <laughs> uh, superhero teacher, same thing, right? You can decide how well they did on, on the picture. They didn't give me a cape and they gave me a lot of hair but I say it's funny you know I said you know kids are always making fun of my hair anyway the name Tyrone Williams as the AP history teacher for some people all right I'm gonna cut it off right there so a few things so one you got the assistant principal of Oak Park he is attempting to answer the always ever elusive question of why don't we have more black educators not just oak park but period why don't we have more than less than two percent of black males in the classroom why are the numbers still in single digits for overall all african-american educators why 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 and he attempts to answer it but he's not able to because it's not an easy answer. And, recent, and recently uh, on another podcast that I was an actual guest for, and hopefully you guys uh, will get the chance to hear that soon, I was asked just that question. Why aren't there more black educators, specifically black male educators in the classroom? And we just heard from one of them, which is the history teacher, Mr. Tyrone Williams, who I also featured on uh, the Instagram as an excellent educator. I like, so what you didn't hear, and he's gonna talk the talk. I love when we talk that talk. Pit me against any AP history teacher in the world. I am it, I am the one. I am top five and I'm not five. I'm top two and I'm not two. That's the energy I carry. I carry myself with whatever kids you put in my classroom and I'm their English teacher. Oh, you just received a blessing from God. And I mean that. And that doesn't mean that I'm always the best teacher every single day. But that's always my goal. That's always the standard. That's always my own self-expectation. What self-expectations do you have for yourself? So it's not an easy answer of why you know why there aren't more black and brown men and women in the classroom. I mean, we could talk about pay. We could talk about people think that they can't get paid as an educator, and there's a way around that, and that's what a book that I'm working on when it comes out hopefully will change that. Like, I'm trying to actually change the status quo. I'm not just talking it. I'm actually trying to change it. I'm trying to change the narrative. But teachers complaining about money, acting, and looking broke, that's a reason why, why would anyone want that? Or meeting in the teacher's lounge and complaining all day about administration, about the school board, about the parents, about this kid, that kid. Uh, Yeah, who wants that career? Who would want to stay in that career? No many so, so many of our potentially best educators who jump into education whether it's through the new teacher project the teaching fellows program or um, a, a local residency program through the you know co- local college university or Teach for America TFA whatever the program is they jump in they have a two year commitment they do the two year commitment then they're out. They go to law school, they go to pharmacy school, they go pursue a nursing degree, they go back to school, back to undergraduate, and change majors completely. Or whatever they majored in as an undergrad, they want to test out this teaching thing after two years of meeting in the teacher's lounge and hearing about, oh, look at my paycheck, I'm so broke, I can't buy this, I can't afford this. Oh, you drink Starbucks every day. You're spending a lot of money. I can't afford to drink Starbucks every single day. Wow. Five dollars a day. You must think you're rich. You must be rich. Because I can never afford that. Oh, look at those new shoes. I can never afford new shoes. The teaching profession looks ugly. And that's why you get teachers who've only taught two, three years trying to jump into an administration program how do you jump into an administration program and you've taught for two or three years i don't care if you're the best teacher in the world for two or three years it's still a fluke you have to do it throughout an actual career and i'm not trying to you know you can't control someone's career you can't tell someone how long they have to be in the classroom but i think we can all agree two or three years in the classroom does not qualify you to be an administrator Period. So the reason why we don't have more black and brown men and women in the classrooms around the country is look at the pandemic is disorganized. It's not structured well. It's not built for our black and brown children to be successful. So why would I want to be a part of that? I can't change educational policy unless I'm a legislator. And if I'm a legislator, that means that I'm a politician, not an educator. And for those that don't go that route, and they go to the teacher route, and then they try to jump into school leadership, most school leaders get so accustomed to the higher amount of their direct deposit versus when they were a classroom teacher, and their lifestyle changes. If you go from making $45,000 as a teacher to now you're making, I don't know, $65,000 as an assistant principal, you just made an extra twenty dollars That changes a lot of things in your life. And anytime, and you can check the research, anytime people get a significant increase in pay, guess what happens? All of a sudden, their expenses goes up. Oh, I'm tired of this apartment. Let me go get a condo. I'm tired of this little house. I'm going to go get a bigger house. I'm tired of driving this 10-year-old car. Let me go get a new one. And there's nothing wrong with buying nice things. Quite the opposite. But what you guys need to realize is that if we need to, if we're going to actually change things, It's a comprehensive approach and to change an entire system. This is a bureaucracy can't be done by one person. And we're so disconnected as an African-American community. Without that unity. It feels like you have to do everything, just like I feel right now with virtual teaching. I feel like I have to revamp everything by myself. And why do I feel that way? Because I've literally had to revamp everything by myself and my students who are successful. I'm in the classroom to be successful and for my students to be successful. Their success is my success and vice versa. So whatever I need to do to get to that point, I'm going to do it. But I can't change the K through 12 educational public school paradigm by myself and you can't either. Where's the unity? That's why I started the podcast. And all of this is just jargon. These are just words. Yes, I'm taking action, but are you also taking action as well? Am I inspiring anyone out there? Am I inspiring anyone out there? Sorry, I can't talk today. Not enough coffee. Like I love this stuff. I'm passionate about this stuff. But I'm angry about this stuff. I get depressed about this stuff. And that's why my spirituality is something I have to focus on for the simple fact of I have to make sure I'm at my best outside of school so I can be at my best inside of school within my career. So there is no easy answer, again, for why there aren't a sufficient number of black and brown educators in the classroom, in the hallways, on the school board, in the state legislation, in the Department of Education for each state. I want to do it all. I want to do it at the federal level. And I'm gonna take all those accolades and all this money I'm saving and investing. And I'm gonna start my own school not a charter school. I'm going to start my own school. Which my kids someday will inherit and their kids will inherit and the kids after that will inherit. And I'm not saying I want my kids to be educators. But there will be a school that will be in their name and that they will be on the board of and have majority control always that's what i'm building towards right now what i'm doing i'm a hitman. i can literally go from district to district school to school and raise student achievement i'm just trying to make my impact get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger all not for me so i can actually help close the achievement gap and receive on-the-job training. So when I start my own school, I know how to comprehensively change the status quo with my one school, which will hopefully turn into two schools, three schools, four schools, five schools. Are you working with the bigger picture? I believe if educators are driven by purpose, a large purpose that's bigger than them, they're humble, they're talented enough, but they're humble enough to know that even right now at your best, you're not your best, keep working. Even though you've been teaching five years, seven years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, you're still not at your apex, keep working. This isn't a profession anymore where you can take the same curriculum, the same lessons and teach them every single year and be successful. No, the kids are changing, society is changing, the world is changing, you need to change with it. So you need to be flexible, and you also need to be creative and entrepreneurial. And in being creative and entrepreneurial, while you are a classroom teacher, guess what? You're getting your money up. You're not in the teacher's lounge talking about being broke and complaining about parents and, oh, you're drinking Starbucks every every day, $5 a day. Well, you must be rich. I could never afford that. I make my coffee from home. Which there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being frugal. But stop the broke talk. talk. Stop looking broke. Stop. Stop stop with the same dusty pants you wear every Tuesday stop or we're gonna get into it this series the American to me documentary series is a excellent work of art and I have enjoyed analyzing this but my first book mm, not my first book but my first book in education becoming an effective black educator that's the next series we're gonna break this down I'm going to have to have some real conversations with some black and brown educators out there because I am getting tired and kids' lives are dependent on it. Some kids will learn. Most kids, black and brown, will learn. Be- even white kids, period, will learn better from black and brown educators in the classroom. Why? Because it's a change of status quo. It's an alternative perspective that's rarely been heard and seen that needs to happen. We want to talk about you know, the United States of America being a, a, a melting pot, then put some black and brown educators in those classrooms and those schools as commissioners of the Department of Education for your particular state. This is a this is this is bigger than us. We need more political clout. We need more social clout, capital. We need it all. You can't help the poor if you're one of them. So you need to make sure you are well taken care of including financially so you can be at your best and you're not a slave to a paycheck. And I'm not saying I'm there yet. But I am inherently a rebel. I got a rebellious spirit before before a very good reason for a good purpose. And that's what I'm working on. I'm going to say this and I'm going to get out of here. There is a class from a former educator. She was an assistant principal last. She retired. She took took a bunch of expensive classes on investing she is now offering a class that right now is 2 grand that class is probably going to go up to 2500 maybe 3000 if you can't get in it right away my goal is to get in that class whether i'm paying the 2000 or i'm paying the 3 grand And I got other stuff. I got a lot of other stuff going on. But I'm going to have to make a sacrifice because one of my next financial moves is to invest. And that might seem selfish. Like, oh, you're just trying to get your your money up. You're just trying to reach a certain tax bracket. You're just trying to call it whatever you want to call it. But there is a huge difference when, as an educator, you have your entire life together all around comprehensively, spiritually, mentally, physically. Oh, and I'm also coming off a 10-day fast as well, too. So I've lost weight. And now I'm changing my my diet up to a lifestyle diet. But you need to make sure in every aspect of your life you are at your best, and that's going to make a huge difference in your career. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong but I felt like I've done enough research on this. I've lived this. I've experienced this. I've seen it happen in other industries. I don't see why it wouldn't happen in education. Stop relying on one paycheck. I haven't relied on one paycheck since I started teaching, and I never will. Most millionaires have an average number of income streams of seven. So that's what I'm working on. And that is also what the next my next book will be about. And also what some of my previous book is about. So again that's going to be the next series. All right. This is episode 43. Stay tuned for episode 44. We are going to finish out this series of the America to me um series the documentary available on stars through participant to me there's a way you can watch it for free look at the show notes or check social media for that information as well thank you for everyone to the producers the directors anyone involved in the America to me series you guys have emailed me you've reached out to me on social media you've kept me updated on things um I didn't do this for for views for listeners for subscribers to get those numbers up I didn't do this for money I did this because I when I first seen the first few episodes of this I was flabbergasted and I was like wow we need more documentaries like this we need more access to schools like this because it's one thing when you're in your own school all the time and you actually are an active participant in it then when you can look at someone else's school And you see all of the things they do and then that helps you realize the things that your school, your district is doing wrong. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's the perfect lesson and we're all educators. So why wouldn't I want to break down this lesson for a a better understanding? So hopefully you guys have appreciated the series. Again, one more episode left and then we're moving on to talk about how to become an effective black educator. I love you guys. I'm out. What can I say? Mamba out. Thank you for listening to the Black Scholars Podcast. For more information, Sometimes, go to blackscholarspublishing.com. You just got it. You will never see Stayed in Africa, we ain't never leave. So one no slaves in our history, one no slave ships, one no misery. Call me crazy, or isn't he? See I fell asleep and I had a dream, it It was was all black.